Hi, welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 14, Answers to Prayers. So as I read these chapters this week, I thought a whole lot about what we can learn about Revelation. And I've been thinking the last couple of months about personal revelation and how it applies to me. I feel like I've always struggled to know that what I'm feeling, if it's really a prompting or if it's the guiding of the spirit or if it's just my own thoughts. President Gordon B. Hinckley said, that's the test when it is all said and done. Does it persuade one to do good, to rise, to stand tall, to do the right thing, to be kind, to be generous? Then it is of the spirit of God. If it invites to do good, it is of God. If it inviteth to do evil, it is of the devil. And if you are doing the right thing, if you are living the right way, you will know in your in your heart what the Spirit is saying to you. You recognize the promptings of the Spirit by the fruits of the Spirit, that which enlighteneth, that which buildeth up, that which is positive and affirmative and uplifting leads us to better thoughts and better words and better deeds is of the Spirit of God. So that's what I think about a lot when I think about, is this a prompting or is this my own thoughts? But what about when both choices seem good? That's when I really struggle. So let's move on to the story of the scriptures that we're in in Ether today. Oh, I think I forgot to say what chapters we're in. So this is Ether chapters one through five, but I'm going to mostly talk about um, chapters one through three. Um, I'm going to use a little summary to tell the story throughout today's episode of the Jaredites coming to the promised land. It was published in the December 2012 Friend, and it will just um, help me quickly describe the story so we can get into some thinking. So the brother of Jared had a humble and prayerful heart. He lived in the wicked city of Babylon. The Lord punished the people of Babylon by changing their language so they could not talk to each other. Jared's family and friends were worried. Jared asked his brother to pray and ask Heavenly Father to let their language stay the same and to lead them to live in a good place. So there's the little beginning summary. A couple of interesting things here. Why is he, the brother of Jared, referred to as the brother of Jared instead of his name? And this is just something interesting to think about. And as far as I can find, we don't exactly know. According to Daniel H. Ludlow, who was a professor of religion at BYU, it's not clear why the name of Brother Jared does Brother of Jared does not appear in the Book of Mormon, but he does have some interesting theories. So here's a few. There's four theories. One, the brother of Jared may have omitted his name out of modesty. John the Beloved did essentially the same thing in the Gospel of John, which he wrote. Or two, the Book of Ether is clearly a family record of Jared, not the brother of Jared. Ether, the final writer and perhaps the abridger of the record, was a descendant of Jared and might have naturally emphasized the achievements of his direct ancestor rather than the brother of his ancestor. Theory number three, Moroni may have admitted the name in his abridgment because of the difficulty of in translating or transliterating the name into the Nephite language. Or four, in the Roman practice of I don't know how to say this. Dominatio memores. I definitely didn't say that right. Names were intentionally removed from the record. Egyptian factions also wiped out names and statues of heretical rivals. 
In Ether, chapter 11, 17 through 18, a direct descendant of the brother of Jared and rival king is also not named. But we do know his name. The prophet Joseph Smith revealed it to be Mahanrai Moriankamer. Another thought I had is why does Jared ask his brother to inquire of the Lord rather just inquire why, rather than just inquire himself? We are given some insight in chapter 1 verse 34 when it says, and the brother of Jared being a large and mighty man and a man highly favored of the Lord. So, it's interesting to think about what feeling led to this plea to the Lord. Imagine that situation in reality. The Lord is going to make it so all your friends and all your family can't speak the same language. That's pretty scary. And it would be hard not to get caught up in fear and worry about what the future would hold. Does that sound familiar to anyone right now? I think that we're all feeling a lot of that over the last year. When he inquires of the Lord, it says, quote, the Lord had compassion and did not confound their language. Mahanrai is asked to go to the Lord again by his brother and ask that their friends and family also not be confounded. And again, the Lord had compassion. Then Jared asked Mahanrai again to inquire of the Lord to ask this question. Go and inquire of the Lord whether he will drive us out of the land. And if he will drive us out of the land, cry unto him whither we shall go. And who knoweth but the Lord will carry us forth into a land which is choice above all the earth. And if it so be, let us be faithful unto the Lord that we may receive it for our inheritance. So I know that we learned that Mahanrai is a man highly favored of the Lord, but Jared sounds pretty awesome too. He just in that statement, has a lot of faith in the Lord. He's saying, the Lord might drive us out. And so if he does, if that's his will, then where we want to know where he would have us go. And we need to be faithful so that we can receive whatever blessings he has in store for us. So I'm going to do a shout out to Jared himself. He also seems to be an amazing, faithful man. So Jared has basically asked his brother, Mahanrai, to ask the Lord three questions. The first one was a plea for personal protection. The second was a plea for protection for others. And the third was a plea for direction. That is just so applicable to how we can handle any situation that we come up on. In the last year, have you felt the need for personal protection? Have you felt the need to ask the Lord for protection for others? Have you felt the need to ask the Lord what direction you should go, how you should be living your life, what you should be doing during this time? Each time that Mahanrai pleaded with the Lord, it says the Lord had compassion and ultimately told him that he would lead them to a promised land above all others. And why does the Lord promise this to them? The Lord says, and thus I will do unto thee because of this long time ye have cried unto me. What does this teach us about the Lord and what he wants from us? Sister Joy D. Jones recounted this experience she had with President Nelson in the May 2020 conference. She says, 
Recently, I was privileged, along with a group of primary children, to meet with President Russell M. Nelson in the replica of the Smith family home in Palmyra, New York. Listen as our beloved prophet teaches the children what they can do to step forward. The following is the conversation that they had with the primary children and President Nelson and Sister Jones. So Sister Jones starts asking the primary children. I'm curious to know if you might have a question that you would like to ask President Nelson. You're sitting here with the prophet. Is there anything that you've always wanted to ask the prophet? Yes, Pearl? Pearl says, is it hard to be a prophet? Are you like really busy? President Nelson says, of course it's hard. Everything to do with becoming more like the Savior is difficult. For example, when God God wanted to give the Ten Commandments to Moses, where did he tell Moses to go? Up on top of a mountain, on top of the Mount Sinai. So Moses had to walk all the way up to the top of that mountain to get the Ten Commandments. Now, Heavenly Father could have said, Moses, you start there and I'll start here and I'll meet you halfway. No, the Lord loves effort because effort brings rewards that can't come without it. For example, did you ever take piano lessons? The children say, yes. Pearl says, I take violin. President Nelson asks, and do you practice? The children say, yes. President Nelson says, what happens if you don't practice? And Pearl says, you forget. President Nelson then goes on to say, yes, you don't progress, do you? So the answer is yes, Pearl. It takes effort, a lot of hard work, a lot of study, and there's never an end. That's good. That's good because we're always progressing. Even in the next life, we're making progress. President Nelson's response to these precious children extends to each one of us. The Lord loves effort and effort brings rewards. We keep practicing. We are always progressing as long as we are striving to follow the Lord. He doesn't expect perfection today. We keep climbing our personal Mount Sinai. As in times past, our journey does indeed take effort, hard work, and study, but our commitment to progress brings eternal rewards. The Lord had compassion on Mahanrai because of the long time he cried unto him. I don't think we know, or at least I don't know, exactly how much time the Lord qualified as a long time, but sometimes I think that that is one of the hardest efforts there there is to have the stamina and the endurance it takes to wait on the Lord. When you are crying to the Lord for protection or direction, and you have to wait on an answer on the Lord's time, that is, it's hard. I have seen many examples in my own life where the downfall of testimonies that I have witnessed has been that the person is requiring a timeline of the Lord. Sometimes he, I think he's just waiting for us to be willing to still cry to him after our hoped timeline has elapsed and show him that we're willing to accept that the answer and relief might not come on our personal timeline. In Jeffrey R. Holland's beautiful talk called Waiting on the Lord, in this past general conference, he says, There will be times in our lives when even our best spiritual effort and earnest pleading prayers do not yield the victories for which we have yearned, whether that be regarding the large global matters or the small personal ones. 
So while we work and wait together for the answers to some of our prayers, I offer you my apostolic promise that they are heard and they are answered, though perhaps not at the time or in the way we wanted. But they are always answered at the time and in the way an omniscient and eternally compassionate parent should answer them. My beloved brothers and sisters, please understand that he who never sleeps nor slumbers cares for the happiness and ultimate exaltation of his children above all else that a divine being has to do. He is pure love, gloriously personified, and merciful Father is his name. Well, if this is the case, you might say, shouldn't his love and mercy simply part our personal Red Seas and allow us to walk through our troubles on dry ground? Shouldn't he send 21st century seagulls winging in from somewhere to gobble up all of our pesky 21st century crickets? The answer to such questions is yes, God can provide miracles instantaneously, but sooner or later we learn that the times and seasons of our mortal journey are his and his alone to direct. He administers that calendar to every one of us individually. For every infirm man healed instantly as he waits to enter the pool of Bethesda, someone else will spend 40 years in the desert, in the desert waiting to enter the promised land. And for every Nephi and Lehi divinely protected by an encircling flame of fire for their faith, we have an Abinadi burned at a stake of flaming fire for his. And we remember that the same Elijah who in an instant called down fire from heaven to bear witness against the priests of Baal is the same Elijah who endured a period when there was no rain for years and who for a time was fed only by the skimpy sustenance that could be carried in a raven's claw. By my estimation, that can't have been anything we would call a happy meal. After listening to that quote from Elder Holland, can we think, can we imagine that maybe sometimes the Lord making us wait on his timeline rather than accommodating ours might be a blessing, allowing us to strengthen our faith and show him that we are willing to let him prevail. So next, the Lord describes the promised land to Mahanrai, and he has a warning for us in there. So I'm going to read verses 8 through 12 in chapter 2. And he had sworn in his wrath unto the brother of Jared that whoso should possess this land of promise from that time henceforth forever should serve him and the true and only God, or they shall be swept off when the fullness of his wrath shall come upon them. And now we can behold that the decrees of God concerning this land, that it is a land of promise, that whatsoever nation shall, shall possess it shall serve God, or they shall be swept off, when the fullness of his wrath shall come upon them. And the fullness of his wrath cometh upon them when they are ripened in iniquity. For behold, this is a land which is choice above all other lands, wherefore he that doth possess it shall serve God, or shall be swept off. For it is the everlasting decree of God, and it is not until the fullness of iniquity among the children of the land that they are swept off. And this cometh unto you, O ye Gentiles, that ye may know the decrees of God, that ye may repent and not, and not continue in your iniquities until the fullness comes, that ye may not bring down the fullness of the wrath of God upon you as the inhabitants of this land hitherto hath done. Behold, this is a choice land, and whatsoever nation shall possess it shall be free from bondage, bondage and from captivity, 
and from all other nations under heaven, if they will but serve God of the land, who is Jesus Christ, who hath been manifested by the things which we have written. I can't help but think, as I hear that, how are we as a nation doing in in that category, in these commandments that he's given us? And though we we can't control what our world is doing and what our country is doing, it's important that as we observe that, we also think, how am I doing as an individual, as part of the nation in this category? Are you doing the things you are supposed to do so that our land can remain remain free and so that the fullness of the wrath of God doesn't come upon us? Are you serving God to the capacity that you should be? Are you supporting our nation in doing so? Are you supporting policies that are consistent with the gospel? We are given a pretty stern warning here. Like it says in verse 11, And this cometh unto you, us, O ye Gentiles, that ye may know the decrees of God, that ye may repent and not continue in your iniquities until the fullness comes, that ye may not bring down the fullness of the wrath of God upon you as the inhabitants of the land have hitherto done. And we know that eventually all of that will happen. The wrath of God will come upon us. And it's just a question of when. And like I've said in previous podcasts, it is our duty to be watching for the signs that we have been given. So the Lord answers the prayers of Jared's brother, Mahanre. The Lord said that Jared's family and friends should gather their flocks and that he would guide them to a promised land. The Jaredites travel for a long time until they reach the ocean and they set up their tents and live on the seashore. And then four years pass and the Lord comes in a cloud to talk with Mahanrai and chastened him for three hours because he had forgotten to pray. So he repented and began to pray often. I don't want to be chastened by the Lord for three hours. That sounds terrible. (laughs) But we can learn from Jared's response there that he repented and began to pray often. So that definitely makes me want to analyze how often I'm including the Lord in my day and praying in my heart and also making sure that I am kneeling down to pray. Um, One of the struggles I have with praying is that my husband and I, we always go to bed together and I really enjoy praying out loud, but when we're both praying our personal prayers at the same time, I can't really pray out loud. So that's just something I'm troubleshooting. I need to figure out how we can, because I just feel like my, the quality of my prayers goes up when I'm praying out loud. So, but in a more general sense, does that ever happen to you? I know for sure it's happened to to me when I'm doing so well and I'm trusting him and I'm following him and I'm doing my best. And then I get off track and I forget to rely on him and I forget to include him in my whole day and make him the focus of my life. In Elder Uchtdorf's talk called A Matter of Few of a Few Degrees, he said, 
small errors and minor drifts away from the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring sorrowful consequences into our lives. It is therefore of critical importance that we become self-disciplined enough to make early and decisive corrections to get back on the right track and not wait or hope that errors will somehow correct themselves. The longer we delay corrective action, the larger the needed changes become, and the longer it takes to get back on the correct course, even to the point where a disaster might be looming. So the chasing that happened to Mahanrai for three hours, it was merciful that the Lord chastened him. It gave him a firm push back in the right direction. And luckily, well, not luckily, he used his agency to choose to be humble and repent and course correct. But he had another choice, and we have other choices too when we're given correction. We can choose to be like Mahanrai and be humble and repent, or we can choose to push back, to allow the truth, which is that we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, to cut us to the very center, as Nephi would say, and be offended at that correction, to rebel and leave the Lord. And it's our choice. It's our feelings that are leading our actions in this circumstance. But where do our feelings come from? Does a feeling just land upon you out of nowhere? Those feelings of being offended and wanting to rebel, do those come from the Lord? No. It comes from the thoughts you have in response to correction coming from him. Thoughts you have about your prideful need to understand all things not trusting that the Lord understands all things and therefore you don't need to right now. So instead, let's be more like Mahanrai. Repent, correct, and allow him to guide you again. The Lord told Mahanrai that the people needed to build barges or ships so that they could get across the ocean and go to the promised land. The barges were light and small, um, and tight like into a dish is what it says, like fowls on the, the water. So like ducks on a pond. So next it says, and it came to pass that the brother of Jared cried unto the Lord saying, O Lord, I have performed the work which thou hast commanded me. So building the boats and I have made the barges according as thou hast directed me and behold, O Lord in them, there is no light whither we shall steer. And also we shall perish for in them. We cannot breathe. Save it is the air which is in them, therefore we shall perish. So I want to stop there really quick and talk about the faith it must have taken to, I mean, that's a lot of effort. They've gone through the effort of building these eight barges and they, I'm sure they were thinking as they were building them, like, uh, these don't really make sense to us because we can't breathe and there's no light, <laughs> but they did it anyway. They went through all that after effort of building them and they went to the Lord and said, okay, we did what you commanded. Now, can you please clarify? So next it says, and the Lord said unto the brother of Jared, behold, thou shalt make a hole in the top and also in the bottom. And when thou shalt suffer for air, thou shalt unstop the hole and receive air. And if it so be that the water shall come come in upon thee, behold, ye shall stop up the hole that ye might that ye may not perish in the flood. And it came to pass that the brother of Jared did so according as the Lord commanded. So notice how 
he doesn't ask for every single step. So he builds the barges, even seeing probably that there are, there is a problem there. And then he asks two questions and the Lord only answers one. He only answers the air problem. But even though the brother of Jared didn't necessarily get an answer to his light problem right away, he said, okay, I'll go fix the air problem. I don't need all of the answers at once. He had faith and he was satisfied with the instruction and knowledge that he had been given. And he went and did it even though he wasn't given everything all at once. So he fulfilled that and he came back to ask his first question about the light again. Sometimes I feel like the Lord is just waiting to see if I'll follow through with something and trust him before he gives me more of the plan. I am waiting on something currently in my own life about that um, in relation to something like that. My husband and I recently had a hard decision to make. So we really, really wanted to buy six acres of beautiful land that was five minutes from my sister's house. Right now I live almost two hours away from her and we wanted to build a house on it. And we found some land. It was, we, when we would go stand on it, we could just see it. We could, it was at the base of some beautiful mountains. We could just see the house that we would build and the beautiful yard we were planning and the evening spent with our kids on that land However, we were still torn and we weren't sure if that's what the Lord wanted us to do. So we spent weeks pondering and praying about it. And we went back and forth feeling good about it and then feeling unsure all over again. And the hard part was, is it made sense on paper. There was, there really was no logical reason not to do it. And after several weeks of agonizing over the decision, and all this while we're moving forward with the purchase of the land so no one else would take it and so that we still had the opportunity to buy it, but it was still within the window of when we could back out without without financial penalty. So after weeks of agonizing, I was in the shower and I was thinking about decisions about how to build the house. And um, in our current house, we have a glass shower that gets all fogged up. And I always have written words on the side of it. And usually I write all the same words. I write the word love because it's a pretty word to write in cursive. Or I write all of the names in our family. It's just like doodling. And so as I'm in the shower, all of a sudden I had a clear and distinct thought that said, building the house is a distraction from what's more important. There has never been a more important time. You need to be doing everything you can to be focused on your family and spiritually strengthen yourselves. And as I had that thought, I looked at the word in front of my face on the wall and it said, answer. I had written without thinking the word answer. I didn't consciously write it. It just happened. I normally write all the same words, so I had never written the word answer on the shower wall before. So as soon as I finished showering, I went downstairs to my husband's office and I told him that I had our answer. And I said to him, I feel like there has never been a more important time to be focusing on ensuring we are doing everything we can to make sure our family is on the right track. 
All I can think now is that the house is a distraction from what is most important right now. Remember that quote from the beginning um, of this episode from President Hinckley? In that moment, I thought of that quote because I knew that this prompting, this answer had been given to me by him because Thoughts like that, that we need to be focusing on making sure our family is on track and doing what we're supposed to be doing and not be distracted by a house, that that doesn't come from anywhere else. That doesn't come from Satan. And so I knew that that was from the Lord. So my husband immediately said, after I said all of that, he said, oh man, I was just feeling good about it. Should I call and back out? And then a little bit creeped back into me and I didn't want to totally commit. And I said, "Ugh, let's just wait. Let's, let's just sleep on it. And then we'll, we'll make a decision in the morning. And by the time I had woken up, I had talked myself back into it because logically in my own brain, it made sense. There wasn't a, a logical reason we shouldn't do it. And over the next few days, we got closer and closer to the deadline of where we couldn't back out without penalty. And we were in the midst of making decisions about builders and floor plans. And the day came where we had to 100% commit. And I told Dan, let's do it. But first, I'm going to walk the kids to school and I'll come back and we'll bring the decision to the Lord one more time to make sure it's okay. When I came back, we knelt on my husband's office floor and asked Heavenly Father if our decision was okay. We told him that it made sense to us and we wanted to move forward. We told him that ultimately what we wanted to do was not what was most important to us. And that if it wasn't what he wanted us to do, to please stop us. As soon as I ended the prayer, I felt unsure all over again. Frustrated, I I opened up LDS.org and I typed in, in the search bar, understanding answers to prayers. And I clicked on the first general conference talk that popped up and I listened to it. It was Richard G. Scott's talk called Learning to Recognize Answers to Prayer. I felt so conflicted and so confused as as I clicked on it and started to listen. I didn't know how to tell what was right. So this is what he says. Perhaps Oliver Cowdery's experiences were recorded for us to understand how to pray and how to recognize answer to prayer. Oliver was told that assuredly as the Lord liveth, even so surely as you shall receive knowledge knowledge of whatsoever things you shall ask in faith with an honest heart, believing that you shall receive, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost. When we receive an impression in our heart, we can use our mind to either rationalize it away or to accomplish it. Be careful what you do with an impression from the Lord. Oliver was further taught, Remember that without faith you can do nothing. Therefore ask in faith. Trifle not with these things. Do not ask for that which you ought not. According to your faith it shall be done unto you. Ask in faith means ask with confidence in our Holy Father. Like many of us, Oliver did not recognize the evidence of answers to prayers already given by the Lord. To open his and our eyes, this revelation was given through Joseph Smith. Blessed art thou, 
for what thou hast done, for thou hast inquired of me. And behold, as often as thou hast inquired, thou hast received instruction of my spirit. If it had not been so, thou wouldst not have come to the place where thou art at this time. Behold, thou knowest that thou hast inquired of me, and I did enlighten thy mind. And now I tell ye these things, that ye mayest know that thou hast been enlightened by the Spirit of truth. If you feel that God has not answered your prayers, ponder these scriptures. Then carefully look for evidence in your own life of his already having answered you. To help each of us recognize answers given, the Lord said, If you desire a further witness, cast your mind upon the night that you cried unto me in your heart that ye might know concerning the truth of these things. Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? Guys, he already answered me very clearly, miraculously even. And I did exactly what Elder Scott warns us not to do where he says we can use our mind to either rationalize it away or accomplish it. Be careful what you do with an impression from the Lord. Because it made sense to me logically, and I really, really, really wanted to do it, I kept rationalizing it away. I kept using my mind to justify accomplishing it. And I could have, like, I could be moving forward right now. And that would have been a very clear disobedience of what I had been told. I, as I listened to the talk, as I was still kneeling on the floor of my husband's office with, I had tears streaming down my face. And I, I looked at my husband and said, we've already been given an answer. I, I still don't know why. I don't know why. I can't go build that house. I don't know why that I I shouldn't be moving forward there. We still want to. We want to build that house. We still want to move to that land. But I don't want to because I know I have been given an answer. For now, it is not the right time. I know that the Lord knows all things and he knows why it's not the right time. So it's okay that I don't know why even though it's hard, even though I find myself feeling sad and dreaming of that dream that we had, I trust him and I trust his timing. And I want to keep giving my will over to him for the rest of my life because I know that his plan for my life is so much better than the sum of the decisions that I could make without him. I need him. I can just feel and imagine. And I know I was so excited to come down here to earth. I know that I had goals and dreams about what I would do here and how faithful I would be. And that can only be attained by my willingness to give my will over to him, to let him prevail. So as far as that land and and the house, I, I don't know if I'll get to have that dream but I'm willing to move forward with his instruction, even though I don't know the answers to all the questions. So moving on with the story of the brother of Jared, after he made two holes for air, so he went on, did the next instruction he'd been given, even though he hadn't been given all the answers, the brother of Jared prayed and asked again how they could get light in their barges. And the Lord told him to figure out how to solve the problem. And then he would help him. 
In chapter 2, verse 25, it says, And behold, I prepare you against these things, for ye cannot cross this great deep, save I prepare you against the waves of the sea, and the winds which have gone forth, and the floods which shall come. Therefore, what will ye that I should prepare for you, that ye may have light, when ye are swallowed up in the depths of the sea? That's such a great teaching moment that the Lord is giving us there. He knows that we can't go through this life and do everything we're supposed to do without him. And he is prepared to protect us if we do our part. And we come to him and ask him for the things that we need in order to survive. In the Bible dictionary under prayer, it says, Prayer is the act by which the will of the father and the will of the child are brought into court correspondence with each other. The object of prayer is not to change the will of God, but to secure for ourselves and for others the blessings that God is already willing to grant, but are made conditional on our asking for them. Isn't that so perfect and cool? We're here on earth to have faith and to learn to rely on him. And he has all of these blessings that will help us get through this life but we are supposed to ask for them. He's already willing to give them. He already knows that we need them. But as part of our test and part of our showing our faith, we are supposed to be asking for them. So next, the brother of Jared gathered 16 stones that were clear like glass and went to the top of the mountain and prayed. He had faith that the Lord had power to do anything. He asked the Lord to touch the stones and make them give light. The Lord expects us to figure things out just because for me, my dream house didn't work out right now because he told me not to do it doesn't mean he's going to now tell me exactly what I should do to move forward. But like we talked about a few episodes ago, I know pretty clearly the things I should be doing in my everyday life. And so I'm going to start with that and the plan will be unfolded from there. And I, I just don't need to know it all right now. So the Lord reached out his hand and touched each stone to make it give light. And when he did that, the brother of Jared saw the finger of the Lord and fell down in fear and surprise because he didn't know that the Lord had a body. And I, I think that this is kind of funny. I'm sure that the Lord knew that he was going to see his hand because he knows all things, but it's almost like he's surprised when he says, arise, why hast thou fallen? Like he didn't know that he was going to see it or maybe that, I don't know. I'm sure he knew, but, um, Mahan, Mahan Ray then said, I saw the finger of the Lord and I feared lest he should smite me for I knew not that the Lord had flesh and blood. And the Lord said unto him, because of thy, thy faith, thou hast seen that I shall take upon me flesh and blood. And never has any man come before me with such exceeding faith as thou hast. For were it not so, ye could not have seen my finger. Sawest thou more than this? And he answered, Nay, Lord, show thyself unto me. And the Lord said unto him, Believest thou the words which I shall speak? And he answered, Yea, Lord, I know that thou dost speakest the truth, for thou art a God of truth, and canst not lie. And when he had said these words, behold, the Lord showed himself unto him and said, because thou knowest these things, ye are redeemed from the fall. Therefore, ye are brought back into my presence. Therefore, I show myself unto you. 
Behold, I am he who was prepared from the foundation of the world to redeem my people. Behold, I am Jesus Christ. I am the Father and the Son. In me shall all mankind have life, and that eternally, even they who shall believe on my name, and they shall become my sons and my daughters. This part is so interesting to me. Um, Moroni then interjects and he kind of summarizes and he explains to us why Mahanrai saw the Lord in verse 18. And he ministered unto him, even as he ministered unto the Nephites and all this, that man might know that he was God because of the many great works, which the Lord hath shown unto him. And because of the knowledge of this man, he could not be kept from beholding within the veil. And he saw the finger of Jesus, which when he saw, he fell with fear, for he knew that it was the finger of the Lord, and he had faith no longer, for he knew nothing nothing doubting. Wherefore, having this perfect knowledge of God, he could not be kept from within the veil. Therefore, he saw Jesus and did minister unto him. Can you imagine having enough faith that the Lord cannot be hidden from you? And then, as Moroni said, he no longer had faith because it was now knowledge. How can we get there? How can I get there? We exercise faith in our daily lives. We show him that we are willing to let him prevail. And we know from the scriptures that that makes that faith grow. We might not have it. Actually, we definitely won't have it all at once, but it comes from those daily actions that we are supposed to be taking. I am so determined and excited to continue to let him prevail in my life, to try to do what he wants me to do. And I know as I do that, he'll make up for whatever faith I lack. I always think of that scripture in the Bible. I actually don't even know where it is at the moment. I have to look it up, but it says, help thou mine unbelief. My faith is not perfect yet. But I know that he can make up for it and he can make my effort whole. And I say these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. I so, so appreciate it when you guys share. I've been hearing so much from you guys about your thoughts and your feelings about the podcast. Um, One way, I know that some of you already do, but I just wanted to let you know that I do have an Instagram account that I post on more regularly, and I also have a Facebook page. Um, So the Instagram account is comefollowme underscore with Brie, and the um, Facebook group. It's a private pace Facebook group, but you can ask to join it. And it's just come follow me with Brie. So if you search on there, I'd love for you to be a part of that community. I am loving getting feedback from you guys. It's just so rewarding to know that people are, are listening and that it's impacting their day and their life. Um, if you feel prompted today, I'd love it if you'd share this with any friends or family, and I will talk to you again next week.